You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. Jay-Z here with Trishma Nike. Hey. Carolyn Nowrose. Hi. Hi, welcome to the program. And we are super excited because ding dong, trick or treat. It's fucking Hitchcocktober, everybody. Whoop. Boo. Yeah. Ex- it, <laughs> also. <laughs> boo, not like, boo. Yeah, I didn't mean like. Scary boo. I mean, a little bit of boo. I mean, you know. Trishy boo. Of course, this, <laughs> yeah. this is the month that we. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> this is the month where we celebrate the films of Hollywood's most talented, uh, perverted sexual alter <laughs> and, and voyeur, Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> Um, welcome back. So this is the final Hitchcock that we will be doing for Hitchcocktober because next week will be our super special Halloween episode. As we do, mm-hmm. I will reveal that film at the end of this episode. So stay oh tuned. God, That's so a excited. <laughs> but this week, you guys, so excited because we are watching 1958's Vertigo. Now, Shrishman Ike, you just came at us with a hot <laughs> confession, which is that you did not finish watching it. I did movie. not finish watching it. I may or may not have fell asleep. Okay, right. And you never got to pick up right, yeah, okay. where I re- left off. Do you have any idea where you fell asleep? Um, the, he was kissing her. <laughs> kissing her. All right. Okay. See, but let me get to my one. Were they at two. a Spanish <laughs> mission when said kissing was happening? No, I bet. Were they in the hotel? No, she had fallen off the belt. She had fallen off the tower. I think that she like yeah. committed suicide. Uh huh. Um, yeah. And then he went a little crazy. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then I just remember like a bunch of kissing and like different lights because like I was in my yes. sleep. Okay. Yes. Wow. So you missed right. Act Three. Okay. This is you're gonna okay. your mind's gonna be blown. I'm not gonna <laughs> reveal right now the um, incredible f- surprise twist finale to Bert. surprise. This when Hold did on, this movie come out? <laughs> 1958. Wow. Okay. So you have no idea. This is a very confusing film it unless is. you see like the last <gasps> 20 minutes. Uh-oh. There she is. Catherine Sherlock, are you there? Hello. Hello. Greetings. Hello. Welcome to the program. We're just getting started. And, okay. Um, sorry about that. I no. totally ran out of time. Um, I didn't watch really the last half an hour of the film. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> so this is a, a series of wow. disastrous events. Uh, uh, okay, I'm, I mean, I will say though, Justin, I have watched this film. I don't know how many times, and somewhere in a box in my attic, there is actually a strip of celluloid from the remastered oh, version wow. that I was given at one point because I oh. love this film so much. Okay, okay. So, Catherine, just just to get you caught up, um, mm. you are. In not having finished the film by Shrishma Naik, who also just um, nodded off while watching it last night. I totally understand. Um, I, too, fell asleep last night watching Vertigo, but it did have the time to pick it back up again right. today. So, I wow, this is kind of a huge responsibility then to let you guys know what happens What's at the, the end of Vertigo. Right? Yeah. Oh, now, I got have you. Have you seen Vertigo? You've seen this before? Catherine Sherlock? 
Um, yes, uh, I've, I've probably seen it many times, uh, not for a while though. Um, yeah, so okay. I I knew there was some kind of twist coming. It, it mm-hmm. just seemed to be building and building and building, and it got to like an hour and a half, and I was like, "Yeah, when's this? What's mm-hmm. happening here? What, when yes. is it happening? And how much longer do I need to stay?" And then I realized <laughs> I had half an hour to go because um, I'm doing my homework on the bus and uh, mm-hmm. watching tonight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> And, and yes, it was kind of a bus disaster and other disasters and an uninvited guest that prevented me from life. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's a <laughs> shocking chain of events happened to derail yeah. your vertigo experience. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I, would right. like, I would like to get everybody's one line review for the part of vertigo that they saw, at least, <laughs> if you have it. I do. Shrishma, can you share yours for us, please? I got vertigo trying to keep track of all these blonde ladies. They <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all yeah. looked the same. Yeah, there's yeah. a surplus of them. That's true. There's there's at least one too many blonde like, ladies. Even the like the, the, the hotel receptionist was an older blonde lady. Oh, yeah. And all the decoy blondes that right. are coming in and out of it. I mean, we right. missed some of that, but um, okay. Great, great one-line review. Carolyn Narrows, my sister and yours, do you have uh, a one-line review for Vertigo? Yeah. Um, you know, this is uh, an obsession gone very awry. Yeah. I'd say <laughs> mm, <laughs> about say as the awry least. as you could go. Yes. Right. Yep. Well put. Um Catherine Sherlock, The Hammer. Do you have a one-line review for Vertigo? Uh, not really. Seeing as okay. I literally just <laughs> jumped and then came yeah. straight on right. here. So uh, I, I you're think forgiven, the one I, I thought was, it's not really a review, is excellent opening to a sci-fi movie. Oh, wait. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. So before I get into the synopsis, I wanted to at least make some of you who, who might not be familiar with the film, like make you aware that many people, uh, many people from the film industry and critics and uh, many people consider this to be not only his best movie, but the best movie like ever. Mm-hmm. So there's a very famous Really? is very skeptical of that. <laughs> so there's a very famous poll okay. called uh, by that's done by this uh, a British magazine called Sight and Sound. It's a film criticism criticism uh, magazine, right? Mm-hmm. So once, Sorry, exactly. Where's that Peyton Place <laughs> farmer drop? You go up there about five miles. Well, the the go in the first road about two miles, and you'll come right in center town. Um, Trishma, get comfortable too. No criticism. Like, do you do you feel comfortable? I I'm, am. Just, I'm just. Mm, that was a I'm skeptical. A I am. She was like, well, I am. Like. But uh, okay, I got you. I got you. Mm, there but was a feel, there like, was a head shake with that, that where she was like, I am. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's a magazine called Sight and Sound, and once every ten years they poll okay. industry insiders and experts and people knowledgeable on the art of cinema. And they ask them, what are your top favorite movies? And then they publish a list of the top films. So between the decades of the 60s to the 2000s, the number one film for 40 years voted by their illustrious international panel of experts. They have one too. It's been Citizen Kane for 40 years. 
Okay. Then in 2012, because it's always their magazine, they started the poll Every in 52. Years, so right? it's, yeah. Okay. So 2012, Vertigo became number one. From when they started to 2012. Or it was the last, like, okay. Like all movies, it's just like the feeling at the time when they're asked to, you know, so people reevaluate these things, you know, the public perception changes on films. And So wait, is this a, did you say this is a filmmakers or just the general public? No, this is like f- uh, filmmakers, film professionals, okay. like oh, right. you know, so people in like, the industry and critics. Can, well, it's like the Academy Awards. Does it really count then? Because really, unless they're looking at box office. Um, well, it's international. I mean, it is. They they do try to keep it pretty pretty wide as far like make it a global thing. So okay. you know, um, it's it's kind of amazing that they there is any kind of like concurrence at all on the on the subject. But there is there. I mean, there was for Citizen Kane, and there was for Vertigo. Uh, now this most recent one in 2022, it might surprise you guys, but probably not. To learn that the Sight and Sound uh, International Panel of Experts might not have been the most diverse collection of people oh. you can imagine. <laughs> I'm sure it was um, they finally bowed to public pressure to like, hey, can we like open this up to more like like try to involve right. more people? Let's you know, what diversify I'm talking about? Right. the panel. Yes, and so now Vertigo is number two. Oh. and number one is a French feminist film. I don't. It has a very long title. And I, I don't remember what it is, but I understand it's uh, number one right now. So just but Vertigo is held in very high regard okay. by the film community and has been f- <laughs> since its release, basically. Yeah. Shrishma cannot fucking believe it. <laughs> <laughs> to me, yeah, yeah. the part that I did, well, I guess maybe I missed the ending. So maybe I missed the magic of the movie. Um, I don't know if it's magic. It's, it's, not, it's not that mind blowing. Okay. No. It just they, seemed like an interesting way to, like, it was a very convoluted way to use the concept of height, fear of heights. Like, you know, like, <laughs> okay, like how, yeah. how can yes. I tell the, tell, like, how can I build a story about the fear of heights? Mm. Let's throw in five crazy blonde ladies and a crazy <laughs> Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> I'm going to blow your mind right now. Can I, um, what would you, what if I told you that Vertigo, the concept, right. the affliction, and the title of this movie are actually a MacGuffin? Oh, of course. It doesn't really have a whole lot to do with Vertigo. Like, it does marginally, but right. like, it's not about like, not we about really need to vertigo. cure this guy's Vertigo and right. like scientists like right. doing the thing with the pouring liquids from one tube into another. Like, it's not about that at all. Right. No. This is a, this is a film about obsession. It is. You know, it's yeah. about infatuation. It's about, um, trauma. It's about PTSD. It's about mm-hmm. all these things. Mm-hmm. You, you you seem surprised. <laughs> let me start. I get obsession for okay. sure. Yeah, so um, and paranoia. Let me do I my mean, first. I was going to say, is this is like a great segue into the synopsis of it? Yes. Mm. So, Go for it, Jay Z. The time is 1958. The space is San Francisco. John Scotty Ferguson is a detective who is forced to retire after an unfortunate incident in which an officer falls to his death while trying to save him while he is dangling from a rooftop. Scotty now suffers from vertigo and a fear of heights, along with the guilt of his fallen comrade, which he discusses. I look up, I look down. I look up, 
I look down. Oh, Mr. Stewart, I didn't realize you were joining the panel today, but welcome, <laughs> Mr. James Stewart. Uh, and he discusses exactly. He discusses this with his old college friend and former fiance, Midge, uh, crazy blonde lady number one. one we'll say, right. yeah. He friend Gavin Elster, a shipping magnet who has recently returned to the Bay Area and is concerned with the behavior of his wife, Madeline. According to him, she has recently taken to falling into trances and wandering to unusual locations in a loop with no memory of them after the fact. Mm-hmm. Elster believes that she is being haunted by the ghost of Carlotta Valdez, a beautiful woman. No, thank you. A beautiful woman from the mid 19th century who went mad after her child and home were taken from her. Scotty is skeptical, but agrees to do some light tailing of her to see what the deal is. His investigation backs up everything Elster has told him, but is suddenly thrown into disarray when Madeline lets herself fall into the bay, forcing him to rescue her and take her home with him unconscious. Mm -hmm. Let's stop there and let's talk about the setup of this movie. So can we talk about Midge? Yeah. Let's go for it. Let's Let's talk talk Midge, the old college flame who is now a platonic flame. Uh, She's artsy. She has a great apartment. Let's, let's get into it. Well, I mean, I think first off we should say that like the whole vibe of this film is Mm -hmm. real great. Like I'm loving Midge's apartment. I'm loving Scotty's apartment. Like it's San Francisco old san francisco um we got a little bit of like san francisco history in there with this film the clothes Mm -hmm. you know like all the things like you know it's like we have a nice combination of um mid-century grandma meets a slight we're almost to mid-century modern like his place is as close as you could get to that i would think or or midges if you will right Um, we haven't quite entered the 60s yet so we're not getting as groovy of furniture as you will find shortly but Right. Yeah. Like there's a lot of living, there's a lot of great living room scenes mm-hmm. in this film when we talk mm-hmm. about our living rooms and some furniture. Um, I dig that there are like working fireplaces, like actual yes. wood burning fireplaces in these apartments, which is fantastic. Yeah. The other thing is that this is, uh, San Francisco can be very overcast. But I appreciate mm. that the film itself, like they caught it on, like when they're driving around down the hills and like, that is what it is like to drive in San Francisco. There's some, it's some seriously hilly shit. Well, let's talk about the fact that after watching Dial In for Murder right. and Rear Window back to back, which are very enclosed, are, they're set in one location. Uh, what a breath of fresh air it is to have like on location shooting from the Bay Area for this right. movie. We're outside. We're with the Redwoods. We're on actual San Franciscan streets. Like, we're in multiple apartment locations, all kinds of different rooms, like sumptuous, luxurious rooms, wood paneled rooms. Like, I think this film does a very good things. job as like someone that lived in California for a long time. Like it gives you that California glamour, gives you a little bit of the Spanish mission, gives mm-hmm. you a little bit of like the interesting thing about San Francisco is that it almost feels like if you've been to an East Coast city like Boston. It kind of feels like Boston on the West Coast. Like it's completely different than Boston. But, yeah. but the buildings are lower. It's not like it's not like Manhattan. Like there's still some real like old world charm there. Um, yes. Yeah. Which definitely. I think this movie did a 
really good job of capturing. And that's one of the reasons why I personally like it so much is it's like, I mean, even the bar that Scotty talks about, like, well, I can't go to the top of the mark and enjoy a drink anymore. Like that bar still exists and you can go there. Mm, I've had drinks at that, that bar. We can't. Why would we not do that? Wow. I've never been to the Bay Area, so I've been, I, I've been once. Okay. I've been. Catherine, you ever been up in that neck of the woods? No, but I, I quite like to. Yeah, it seems great. And a lot of good music came out of there too. That yeah. It should, it should go there. I want to go Isn't there. that also like um, the K capital? Like yes. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, it was, I mean, it was certainly back in the day, I mean, it still is. It's 70s, got a it was huge. Very much like a yeah. Vanguard, like Harvey Milk and all that, right? Oh. Um, um, I mean, Hate Ashbury, like there's like it's the whole counterculture. Yeah. It's all it's about like counterculture, yeah. right? For sure. Okay. Right. Um, it's also, also now Silicon Valley. Money. Yes. Mm. Stupid, stupid money, and their homeless folks have some oh. fairly decent services like Wi Fi. It's just wow. available. Mm, okay. That's interesting. Yes, I understand uh, it's very expensive to live there. But it is I'm all expensive. about, I want to check, you know, I like bridges. I'll look at the bridge. I want to go to Traz mm. because I saw David Copperfield escape from there. On a Alcatraz. Time. Um, <laughs> I want to go to the Redwoods. I like shit like that. So I want to I think see I've that. been to the Redwoods. Really? Oh, cool. Uh, Sausalito's beautiful. Uh, you want to see San Francisco from the opposite side of the bay. Okay. No, just saying. I, I, um, I love the biscuits, Sausalito cookies. They're delicious. <laughs> right. But not to get us off track on Northern California, because we could talk about that for several shows. <laughs> yes, let's, Midge. Yes, how do Midge. we Tell us about feel? Midge. How do we feel about Midge? Who I don't know how old these people are supposed to be, but if Scotty can retire from the San Francisco Police Department with his pension, he's got to have been there at least twenty-five years. So, like, these are not young people. Yeah, and they I, well, were engaged in college, so that makes me think, Midge, are you really in your forties waiting around on, you know, fucking Jimmy Stewart? Well, so we learned um, last episode with Rear Window that he was forty six, so he would be fifty years old when film comes out, right? So she would, yeah, have to be late forties at best. She didn't look like okay, not a, not at all. She no, she looks great. She's yeah. and she's gorgeous. So I'm like. What the fuck is wrong with these two? And Midge, why are you waiting around? No. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and you could ask the same question or similar questions of Jimmy Stewart or, I'm sorry, Scotty, we'll call mm-hmm, him. Um, mm-hmm. Just like, wh- what happened to you? Like, what what happened to you? So, like, you just fell really into your work? Like, Yeah, that he's a cop. That's what like, happened to him. Don't worry about oh, okay. him. He's a cop. That that happens all the time. Those guys, no, they're not getting serious until they're about to be like, I guess, well, there's something outside of law enforcement. <laughs> mm-hmm. now i will say just right up front we kind of we make fun of jimmy stewart because he we love jimmy stewart he talks like that you know like, what was he, talk like this what was alfred hitchcock's obsession with jimmy stewart like why he was just a very why jimmy stewart his blue uh, eyes oh his eyes in this film probably. yes good point Cameron. Mm-hmm. Yes. yeah pretty magical yeah so blue. good use yeah, you could get lost in those eyes. They twinkle. They have a twinkle in them. But in then this he movie. would open his mouth. And, and then, <laughs> <laughs> all right. But no, listen, but I, I, think, I feel like he's like the everyman to a certain extent. Like you can kind of like he's not. Oh my god, like Cary Grant. And you're like, okay, well, we all understand Cary Grant, George Clooney. He's like, right. and or like a Brad Super Pitt, charmer. but like, right? You know, Jimmy Stewart's a little bit more of an everyman. Yes, okay. and so while we, we we'll tease Jimmy Stewart forever. Because he sounds like that. He opens his 
as you say. Uh, I will say, like, I think he's amazing in this movie. Like, I think yes. he is so damaged in this movie, and it's awesome. I mean, like, and it's believable. Off to him, yeah. Like, he really does it. And you know, we've seen a lot of these movies from this era, and I've seen a lot of movies with him. And I haven't watched this one in probably two years, I would say. So oh, seeing it, it again, up. having through our you know recent adventures through time and or space, uh, I was just yeah, kind of kind of blown away, like surprised. I haven't seen him like this but i do also recall saying the same thing about him in rope last year too like mm. i thought he was really good in that so he was good in rope maybe we need to put a little more his, shine on him maybe just his voice his the voice right. is tough I and think that's it's just that's what it and is. that old it, it's that old world like vanished right. accent that just doesn't yeah, exist right. anymore so okay so yeah so we're in midge's place i don't know do you have anything more any more thoughts on that carolyn or Catherine about their dynamic and what role she plays because she really it's only she pops in here and there she's there for him she's his friend she's there through his time of crisis she's there to offend him with um poorly timed visual gags mm-hmm. she, you know uh i don't know do you, what do you think about her what, what what purpose does she serve in the greater context of this film from what the parts you've seen of <laughs> That's what I wasn't sure if some she came like if her role was made more obvious at the end of the movie. But from what I saw, it was just kind of like a side character to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to put portray more about Scotty himself. Like it gave us an opportunity to see him interact with other people, right? Yeah, um, and yeah another another woman who was yeah. in fact attractive, but um, yes. they were yeah. I think platonic, right? It it sort of made um, a debtor to his character Mm -hmm. that much more intriguing because, well, why wouldn't he just like Midge, who's also a beautiful blonde, right, and has a personality? Whereas the Madeline slash Judy character, in contrast to Midge, has a lack of personality because she's acting. Mm. Apart versus Midge, who's just a real person and charming and attractive. Um, and sassy. And sassy, yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, but also, I think that they're like, Kim Novak, who plays Madeline slash Judy, just isn't quite as enchanting as a Grace Kelly. What do you guys think the statement is regarding the fact that Midge is independent, has a, a skill, has a craft that she plies for her uh, as her way of life. Like her makes a living doing art. She has a, her own vision. She is kind of like a modern independent woman. Right, that's true. Versus the, the interesting character, like the Madeline character who is a kept woman right. mm-hmm. comes from money and is like of a different era almost, right. you know, like there is, but even she as this independent woman, I think she's obsessed with Stuart. Yes, uh, it's an amazing uh, bit of like you you get that from just the briefest glance right. that she gives when yeah. she the, he mentions the, yeah. the engagement yeah. and her eyes flick for like one second. And you're like, oh, yeah, she, she's There's still like, there. <laughs> yeah, she's still got some hand on residual you know, whatever they had. Yes, exactly. Um, but I thought that was a great like performance and also like filmmaking choice to like show that just slight twitch. Yeah that just says so much without saying anything. It's mm-hmm. So through that conversation, we, we learn this, the movie technically opens with him 
uh, well, it technically opens with an incredible Saul Bass uh, opening credit sequence with a bunch of like spirally designs and things like that. 1958, this is a pretty psychedelic movie for its time, I would say. Um, we're, we're, we'll psychedelic freak out later. Uh, this would be the colorful part that you were falling asleep mm. to last night, but it is, uh, it's eerie. It's off-putting. It's weird. Like they, they mm-hmm. do through the score, this very mysterious Bernard Herman score and through the Saul Bass credit sequence of the figure of the man falling through all of these spirograph drawings coming at you. Like it's a very disorienting and, uh, intriguing way to set things up. And then of course we see him dangling from the roof and you know his uh his colleague dying trying to save him and so but we also get the backstory of like his acrophobia uh his his fear of heights and the vertigo that ensues and the fact that he wants to because of these things he had to retire from the force and he but he he wants to solve it like he he doesn't want to live like this anymore so he knows this um i guess Midge being an old college mate also is a bit of a shortcut to him talking about getting a call from their other Elster. college friend. Yeah. Yeah. And like, oh, isn't that crazy? I wonder what happened to him. Like, I haven't. And so we get the backstory. I'm like, they haven't been in touch recently. So right. it's kind of, a, it's again, mysterious. It's a very mysterious film. This right. is not a, it's not that there aren't murders, but like, it's not a violent film right. except for a few brief moments. It's more of like, what the? F- it's a puzzle box. Like, what mm-hmm. is this? What's happening? So let's go to to Gavin's office then, which is an incredible space, as I already mentioned, like wood paneling, two different huge meeting rooms, frame shit on the walls of boats and old maps and things it's like that. It's very I mean, nautical. Right. This is how yeah, I've been not, not Skid years. Row then. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, exactly. Which they they thought. Um mm-hmm. I I love the they got really good at the rear projection apparently because whereas we saw in rope, like they would build that set of the outside, the cityscape. And now they can just uh, composite uh, actual footage of like a shipping, you know, the docks or whatever, the cranes moving all the shit in the background. And it just looks fantastic. And this is where we learn about uh, Gavin Elster's wife, Madeline and her, her weirdness. So what did Mm -hmm. you guys make of her weird behavior? Like, for those of you who had not had not seen it recently or not as familiar or don't know the end anyway, like what are you thinking about it as you're hearing about maybe she's possessed by a ghost? Yeah, I just found it all kind of like an interesting plot line. Okay, so she's possessed by a ghost and it was, I think it was her relative from the past or something like that. I don't know if they were related, but it was certainly yes. somebody. Yeah. Oh, okay. They were related in theory. Oh, were they? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Their great grandmother or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I just assumed mental illness, not position. Okay. Okay. Interesting take. Or Do depression you, of some kind. Okay. Okay. I was, I I'm know. not yet going like, to reveal what's going on. I don't on, know but. what's happened. Like, it just felt weird that there was this chick who was. May, okay, and so I didn't know where the story was going. Like maybe she was possessed, because right, it's right. it's a Alfred Hitchcock, so maybe yes. that's the path he wants to go down. Sure, right. why not? Um, so when you start, we we start following her. He does agree to take this on. He doesn't want to. It's the remember, Shushma, we were talking yesterday about call to adventure, right? right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is him being like, oh, I I can't do. I'm retired. I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, all right. I guess I guess I'll do it. Fine. 
But then you get What's to look at her and then it's like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, oh, yeah, I'll just follow you around forever. This is my this is my new job. Wandering. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh just <laughs> wandering. Well, we could wander together if, if you wanted to. <laughs> Well, then we would be actually be doing something. It's a totally different thing. Two are traveling. Only one is wandering. Or whatever <laughs> bullshit she um, said. Yes. So, but as we, as we wander, we follow her to the art museum. We follow her to a, a flower stall where she gets a very particular bouquet of flowers. And she takes those to an art museum and sits in front of a portrait of Carlotta Valdez holding the same flowers. And, uh, she goes to the cemetery. Yes, she goes to the cemetery to visit the grave. She goes to the old house that she used to the live in, which is now house. the hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's all just super mysterious. Like she vanishes from that house. He he is very intrigued by this. Scotty is because he's not a believer in the paranormal. He's mm. a he's a facts first type of guy. So he's very skeptical about this like haunting thing that Gavin is very big on, but he, he cannot figure out why she's behaving this way, right. nor why she, she doesn't remember doing these things like the trance aspect and everything. So yeah, I don't know. I, we're just fraught with mystery. Yeah. I, I, the thing I couldn't figure out was why she couldn't figure out she was being tailed. Because oh, that was I, not subtle. I, Catherine, I'm right there with you. Like, oh. especially on some of those winding mountain roads or whatever, when he's like, Yeah, right, right. But clearly, um, once you watch the whole movie, you're like, Oh, she knew she was being tailed. Yeah, yeah. Should we just reveal the exciting yes. conclusion? Yeah. Okay. All right. Exciting so, conclusion. <laughs> so here's the deal, guys. This was all a setup. Okay. So. You saw her fall from the mission, the right. bell tower. Yeah. You didn't see her fall from the bell tower. You saw the actual Mrs. Elstree be thrown off the bell tower by Gavin Elstree. <gasps> Kim Novak was hired. Well, not hired, was actually fucking Gavin, but also was hired into this scheme for him to get rid of his wife. So... His wife lives out in the country. Okay. She's not in town a whole lot. So he makes, has her pretend to be his wife. And then Ooh, set- this is the, his friend, Gavin. Yes. Mm-hmm. The shipping guy, because his wife has all the, the money. Okay. Yeah. Uh, basically it's a shitty husband story. Exactly. Mm-hmm. A classic shitty husband story. Kim Novak is aware. Who's Kim Novak in all of this? Oh, Madeline. Sla- Madeline. Slash the, Judy. the real wife. No, the one that you think is the wife. The one that we see. We don't. Oh, we only see the real wife when she's falling off the bell tower. When she's already dead. So the, the chick we see other times is his side piece, else. pretending to be his wife. So what happens is Gavin hears about Scotty's story through the newspaper of what happened with like his friend dying and okay. the fact that he has vertigo. He had to retire. So he knows that this guy is. Uh, retired, he's got free time, and he also has this affliction that he can't deal with. So he's this is all damaged part of his scheme. investigative goods, right? But he's a connection. They they have a personal connection from back in the day. But this is a great way for him to set up his wife's murder so he can inherit the money and then run off with his hottie side piece, Kim Novak. So all of this is is BS. It's just her pretending to go through these motions of being in, in a trance. And being obsessed with Carlotta Valdez. And then what happens is she, um, you know, she plunges into the bay, right? And he saves yeah. her. And so they, they yeah. start building a relationship. It's all like a long con. 
the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So they eventually get mission. You know, she's just like, I feel compelled. I had a dream about this right, and that. Like, right, oh, right, bullshit. Right. It's so, all but, set but up. the wife had happened to be there as well at the same mm, time. Gavin, Gavin's already in the bell tower when they arrive with the wife holding her. Mm-hmm. We see a clip of this later. And she's so, already dead. Uh, I thought she was struggling. It doesn't matter. Anyway, she dies very uh, in that moment. Anyway, in like, that moment, in yeah. that scene. Yeah. So, uh, and they know that Jimmy Stewart will have, uh, Scotty will have an issue climbing the stairs because of his vertigo. So she races on ahead. He just sees the body fall out the window. Doesn't realize that it's somebody else. Just same outfit, same haircut, everything. And he thinks that the woman he's been hanging out with is, is dead. Right. So that's the, that's the twist. He doesn't find out until later when he sees Judy, uh, a woman who looks very like the woman Madeline he was stalking right. and then dating. Uh, and he starts to like recreate the original Madeline using this woman. So that's mm-hmm. the third act that you you probably missed most of. But like the the Judy is still Kim Novak. Yes. So why does she make herself? How does he see her? So the way that we get to this point is the body flies off of the bell tower. There's an inquisition of some kind, a bizarre panel at this mission uh, with a jury of peers. I'm assuming, I don't know. It's all very loosey goosey uh, mm. legal things, but they, they say like, okay, it's not his fault. It was a suicide. And so you're free and clear. You can go, but he's, he's further damaged good. So he has to go to uh, a, a hospital to, for like inpatient treatment because he has PTSD from the whole thing. Like he's not talking. Mm. They're doing like music therapy, very brief. Uh, but we see him like, and Midge is there to like take care of him and like, you know, you're going to get better and you'll get out of this. Right. Time passes through an edit and it's probably, I don't know, who knows, six months, nine months, a year later. And he's out of the hospital and he starts like retracing his steps of like following her. So, uh, and he starts seeing her everywhere, everywhere. Like in, in the way that you do of like, Oh, uh, somebody who looks remotely like somebody I know, like, is that them? Oh, right, and no, right. it's not until one day he sees Kim Novak with a different hairstyle, darker hair, longer, um, walking down the street with her girlfriends and he's like, God, she looks just like her. And he he starts talking to her and she's sort of like, whereas Madeline was a a very sophisticated, that traditional Kim Novak sort of breathiness. Mm -hmm. This is Judy, you know, like Judy's from Kansas. uh, Yeah. She fell off the turnip truck and she's lived, she's been living here for Mm. three years, mister. What do you want from me? And he's just like, well, I just want to, hang out with you, spend time. You look like somebody I know. And she's like, yes, I've heard that one before, sir. I got it. And he's like, oh, no, it's not anything pervy. It's just <laughs> demented. It's just, it's just damaged goods over here. Uh, I don't want to go to your hotel with I you. I just so want to spend as much time with you as possible. Yeah. Which okay, creeper. Word for word. Yes. He ends up following her back to the hotel that she lives at. And he just like shows up at her room mm. and she's like, what do you, what do you want? That's kind of creepy. That's yes. yeah. full creepy. It's full. This is this movie. It's just his obsession is fixated. Like this mm. is the scary part really. Like this is the true horror. Of but Vertigo. yeah, this is, it really kind of turns though. I mean, it's like he's. Oh yeah. He I mean, he, he didn't start out this way. Right. Right. This is the, the progress of his character is that he's a, a fairly well-balanced individual who right. has this problem who then has this further experience that really fucks him up right. and it changes his entire persona. Like his, his 
the way he is and the way he thinks. Right. And so he basically is just like, look, I, you look a lot like somebody I lost, somebody I used to be with. And, and she's living a very, uh, like a, not like a poor, poorer life, you know, like she works for a living. She lives in a hotel room. It's uh, and she's very Kansas living can in the big I, city, you know, like trying to make it. Can I just enter in here? Like, I think um, before we go back to the hotel and, and Kansas, Judy, um, mm-hmm. the the actual scene of the court. Yes. If we just just quick rewind to that, because yeah, yeah, hit, like one that scene is ridiculous in so many ways. Like a so judge, many ways, a judge would never like one. It wouldn't be held at that mission. Two, the judge like going on and on and on about what a fuck up Scotty is. Yes, the opining. Excuse yeah. me, oh sir, did God. not need it. No, 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 no. This is not how the law works. And do no, but that like so. Imagine then for the character like that's going to break him down even more. And the fact that like he was like a police officer and they like shat yes. all over him. And then, and then the jury doesn't even leave the room to deliberate. It's just like, you know, whisper, yeah. turn around yeah, yeah. in the huddle and they're all white <laughs> and they're all men. And they're like, yeah, okay, here you go. Here's the verdict. <laughs> well, I, I, and I, I just took that as a, a testament to like the obviousness that he's not responsible for this. Like we don't even need to leave the room. Like we're just, this but right but the whole speech that the judge makes just completely tears him down i mean i'd have a mental breakdown if someone was saying that kind of shit about me but we are not here to pass judgment on mr ferguson's lack of initiative he did nothing and the law has little to say on the subject of things left undone Mm -hmm. yes now did you see this part no okay so basically he this judge again it's a really weird scene because it's it's so weird it's just like they're at the mission that they finally like gather these people to like talk about what just happened. But this judge is like, well, it's a shame that this man here pointing to Scotty, like couldn't do anything to save her knowing that she was suicidal, knowing that she was damaged oh, that like, so he let her go up. Yes. Right, inadvertently right. blames him. Well, I mean, inadvertently, but like, it's yeah, just quite, quite blatantly actually <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's shade thrown, but right. like he wraps it up by being like, but he did, you know, he did nothing. He did, which means he did nothing wrong. He literally did nothing, and right. the law doesn't judge people who don't act. Right. And it's just like him just twisting the knife into this this guy. And again, Jim who's already like just suffering. Awesome. Yeah, it's just it's yeah, it's he did nothing. It's a weird scene, but it's really critical, I think, for yeah. this in the character. Yes, Carolyn, agreed. It's it plays into his later psychology of like the further dance, like what this does to him is his psyche and how he mm-hmm. he's dealing with it, uh, dealing with the trauma of, of losing and uh, you know, somebody he cares about and then being blamed by the, by the legal system. The, I mean, I'm assuming that guy was a judge. I don't know if this was, if there's anything legal at all about this inquest It's so bizarre, but he did nothing. We'll, we'll take it as this is how things were done back then, but it is uh, unfortunate. No, that, like, that no, it's not how things it. were done. Let's shoot this Wait. scene while we're at the mission. Get some people. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I guess in the room. It would right. It probably makes some kind of technical sense that, like, because this is uh, the crime happened here and it's in this remote location, like it, we have to do the court, the hearing here, whatever. It happens and it's pretty fucked up. He did nothing. It's a, it's a really fucked up scene. Yeah, and it's uh, really unfair to that character. So okay, now we can go back to the hotel. I just didn't want to leave that. Well, uh, okay. Well, so my the thing that I wanted. Yeah. To, 
talk about about the hotel that the what is it the Empire Hotel or whatever. Yes. Um, we get a very brief glimpse. This is has nothing to do with story. This is all ephemera <laughs> right now. This is you know ashtray counting one hundred and one. But like, there's a brief glimpse of a a slice of aesthetic from this era that it's it's rare that you see it, but to see it, I just love it every time. So we've talked about this in the past, like different phases, like genres of these larger genres of design. So like art deco had like art Egyptian deco, mm-hmm. like or Egyptian, uh, ancient Egyptian design things molded in an art deco style. Same thing with like native American art as well. Um, there's mid-century modern, uh, mid-century grandma. That's our, our own genre. That's mm-hmm. patent pending on that. But there's also a, a a small slice that I like to call, I think it's technically called mid-century medieval. Okay. But it's a it's like suits of armor is like part of like a mid-century the design. Decor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Carolyn, I don't know if you would remember this. We we, we used to go up north um, mm-hmm. to this like sort of touristy area. And there was a restaurant that was sort of medieval themed that had like uh-huh. suits of armor outside of it. We never went there, but we, always, we would drive past it going up to this lake house that we would go to. So like, I think it's from that era. And there are certain like Looney Tunes that tap into this as well, but it's just a very sp- specific slice, very rare, but there is a restaurant. It looks like next to the hotel that's called the Knights arms right. or something like that and it has like old english uh neon signage and i don't like know that. what year camelot actually came out but i feel like that would have had an influence oh okay um, i mean you know like ama- yeah okay great but like camelot the musical on broadway yeah. and then camelot the film would have been you know it's a style uh, it's it's just a it's bizarre <laughs> yeah bizarre aesthetic from the times that people some people were apparently into Again, we haven't seen very much of it, but I did see that. Come on, you'd like, have right a there. suit of armor. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, obviously <laughs> I'm attracted to it, but for the rest of the world, yeah, uh, you know. I think we can pass. Yeah. So but I did see my first real life armor this year. Oh, really? Where'd you? In where? Vienna, in one of the castles. Okay. You'd never seen a real, never. you'd never been to a castle before? No. Wow. Okay. What did you think? Yeah, it was cool. Okay. Now, did you go to. <laughs> Do you remember the, the castles you went to? No. Okay. Um, Schwanstein? It was somewhere in Salzburg. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, okay. Okay. So. And suit of armor, you're like thumbs up. You're like, yeah, that's pro. Seems I real was like, looks cool. actually, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, a suit of armor, like, okay. I, you know. But then it didn't last as long as. Gotcha. Hey, <laughs> hey, Catherine Sherlock. Yeah. You ever see a suit of suit of armor? <laughs> Many. I'm kidding, of in course. Fact, I have a suit of armor. No, in my that's your bread and butter. Your family suit of armor, right? All English people have a suit of armor in there. Yeah, that's what I assume. I mean, like when you go to the office, you're at least wearing the the trousers, the armored trousers, right? The, yeah. The well, I mean, at the very least, the 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 vest, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? A little bit of chain a little bit of chainmail. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. Just for the special meetings. <laughs> um. Let me go back to the synopsis real quick. I've just, I mean, we're kind of all over, like we're talking, we just explained vertigo, but Scotty and Madeline become close after the rescue and he joins her on her wanderings, probing the dream she has had about Carlotta to whom she feels spiritually connected. They fall in love and he vows to help her solve the vibe mystery and protect her. This promise leads them to a preserved Spanish mission she has dreamt about. She scales the bell tower, leaving him in the dust to deal with his vertigo and dies in a fall from the belfry. 
Okay, what do you got? So that whole Carlotta story was just some bullshit. Just some bullshit to trick him. Just gaslighting. <laughs> gaslighting 101. It's so fucked mm-hmm. up, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it was basically all to target him. Mm-hmm. Yes, to prey on this man's known weaknesses. It's awful. That's awful. Just it, so that him, so he, the other guy could get his wife killed so they could live live their little fantasy love life together. Yes, which yeah, apparently. They, they had a plausible witness, I guess. But. But the fatal flaw here is that uh, Judy slash Madeline, who was with Elster, um, falls in love with Scotty instead. Yes. And I'm. is it explained what happens between her and Elster? Because she's not yes. living like a kept woman. Yes. What's that? Okay. What do they, what do they say? Um, when they're like climbing the stairs again, and like Jimmy Stewart's like forcing her up the stairs. Yes. Judy. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's like, he's like ranting and raving at that point. And he mm-hmm. does like bring up the fact he's like, and did he just like, you know, he promised you these things so that you do it. And then, you know, like, yes, he gave me money at the end, but it wasn't very much. And, uh, blah, blah, okay, blah. Okay. and like, so and she obviously got to keep the clothes. From being so she got used too in a way. Yes, she got used, yeah, yes, exactly. Sure. Yeah. And he just for fucks sure. off. And were He's there any consequences for this man? No. No. Nope. No. Okay. No. Um that is a very I mean we'll we'll talk about it in a minute, but that is an intense scene. A lot of information on that final oh, yeah. stairs. Jesus. Which I can um, like that's why, like, if you're not listening really closely to the dialogue, like <laughs> Yeah, you would right, be like, right. wait, wait, was that explained? Oh, I don't know. He was just shoving her up the stairs by the neck. It's cool. Yes, it's an intense, <laughs> again, an intense performance, shade of performance from James Stewart, like of of his rage yeah, point, I, like about like being fucked over this way. It's like, and and you as the audience member, well aware of everything happening, you're like, yeah, I get it. I'm with I, you. Like, I think I, that's the amazing thing about this movie is Jimmy Stewart's performance. Because it is so subtle, but he fucking loses his mind in so many ways. Like even when he's like catatonic, listening yes. to Mozart, I'm like, this, this is a good job, Jimmy. Okay. Yes, and it's so it's at that point when he. This must be right before he goes to the Mozart Hospital. Like he has his psychedelic freakout. It's a very famous segment uh, or montage in the history of film. Uh, the the vertigo nightmare dream sequence where again, we go back to spirals and we go to like James Stewart's floating head looking horrified. Uh, We get to see the real life woman who is painted as Carlotta wearing the same necklace that Madeline slash Judy were wearing. I mean, it's, it's plus like the, the lighting as well. Like the fact that it's flashing, like just different, red vibrant blue green lights it's it's an intense sequence i think it really holds up still even though it's pretty lo-fi compared to today's i mean it's not dr strange in the multiverse of madness by any means but it, th- that was the level back then like people hadn't seen that mm-hmm. that sort of thing before i i don't think anyway Catherine, have you ever seen anything comparable to that from that era because it reminds me a lot of the Space time travel sequence in two thousand one. Yeah, that was that's ten years later, of course. But yeah, I'm yeah, much more sophisticated. Like in the fifties, yes, I can't think of anything. I think like yeah, in in the, yeah, in this era, I I think this must have been a first. Like, I mean, they they cut in animation as well with the bouquet yes. coming apart, mm-hmm. um, and then there was just like weird. 
the weird colors and lighting effects. I mean, the when like the color was changing on his face between like the the lilac and like normal, it, it somehow did that does something weird to your eyes. It made well my vision at least, and it made his yeah. blue eyes look look unbelievably blue somehow. It yes. really did something very strange. Let me read the finale of the synopsis. We've already talked about most of it, but then you know we can get our, our remaining thoughts. Scotty is found not guilty by a bizarre inquest panel and is sent for inpatient treatment at a clinic for his PTSD. Time passes, and he is released to wander the San Francisco streets. He sees Madeline every mistaking other women for her, so on and so forth. Damaged and obsessed, he invites himself into her life and establishes a sugar daddy relationship with her. She eventually agrees to spend time with him because it turns out that she was in on the scheme the whole time. Bum, bum, bum. We learn that she was only pretending to be Madeline so Elster would have a great excuse for the death of his real wife, whom he throws off the bell tower. Despite this inherent flaw in this, this relationship, Judy allows Scotty to reconstruct her steely Madeline look, further amplifying the infatuation. Only her wearing of Madeline and Carlotta's necklace alerts him to the reality of things, and he drives her back to the mission to retrace their steps at the scene of her faked death. Scotty makes it up the bell tower without panicking, but Judy is surprised by a lurking nun and plummets to her death, just like the real Madeline. That's oh, what you I didn't realize that. So they didn't live happily ever after. Okay. They do not. Nope. Wow. And that's like what does the friend come back into the picture? Not ever. Really. That's no. it. Just ends. Um, yes, yeah, she only comes back into the picture when he goes to the the hospital. She, okay, and she's just there she goes to like to see him. We and we don't see her again. And in yeah. traditional classic movie style, as we should bring back. Uh, when the movie, when things happening in the movie end, the movie is over. There's no wrap up. <laughs> it's just no like yeah, the no. end. Yes. Uh, so what do we think about, I mean, you had no idea, like, how are you feeling now about the story? I feel like um, I will go watch the end. That's exciting for me to hear. Like, I, yes. I think you should. I think you'll like that whole, like, I mad like, stare I, uh, scene. Yeah. Like, the twist, not so, I mean, I knew something was going to happen because it's a Hitchcock movie. So something had to give somewhere. But I'm curious to see now. But what was all the the lighty kissy scenes, the bright flashing lights, and so that that's his breakdown basically. Oh, um, okay. As far as like the stuff that we were just talking about a couple minutes ago, like the, the psychedelic aspects, like that's his that's mind unraveling nice. basically. Okay. Which uh, you know, and as we're saying, like that was a, a novel way to express that in film. I haven't mean, seen right. anything close right. to that yet at that level, but yeah, I think for. Uh, for a Hitchcock movie, this is a, a rather, mm, it's, it's like the most mysterious, you know, like it's, mm. it's subtle and it's, it does keep you wondering, like, even like I've seen this movie at like probably a dozen times now, I, if not more, certainly. So certainly now I, I know how it plays out. The first few times watching it, uh, I definitely felt the confusion of the viewer. You're not privy to the information necessarily that there's a con on until a certain point. And that is revealed earlier than I actually remembered. Um, when he leaves the hotel after following her there, she flashes back. We see what actually happened. We see her run up to the bell tower, mm. Gavin and the wife being there, him throwing the body off. 
So we then, the audience knows it, but he doesn't know it. So then this is classic Hitchcockian uh, right. filmmaking tropes of the audience sees the, the ticking bomb under the table, but the people sitting at the table don't, don't know what's there. You know, so the yeah. dread builds and it really works. And also it builds our, our empathy for Scotty, the character, because we're like, God, he's being really fucked over this poor guy. He's being so fucked over by these people because right. we're still seeing him unravel. Now, that being said, we're feeling bad for Scotty, but also this third act, as we mentioned, this is where the infatuation takes over. And he is way out of line, changing haircuts, right. dressing her up like the same way, the same outfits and everything. And this is where it might be the ultimate. I, we said this about the voyeurism of Rear Window, too, but the ultimate a uh, Hitchcockian control movie. Like he would do this with his stars, right? Of we're going to look a certain way and right. we're going to make it wrong. You're going to do it this way. You know, leading to all the problematic shit that we talked about before. Mm -hmm. um, so, but this is definitely the grandest, most well put together illustration of that, well, that yeah. inclination, I guess. And it felt a little like, cause, because of what I know of the background of Al Alfred Hitchcock, mm -hmm. this one felt like a little extra, like he was in yeah. his prime of doing all his shit, yes. like almost, but not to tell, you know, the quality of the filmmaking, but just, you could kind of feel like the creep um, and the, you know, just like, I don't know. I keep saying it, but like there was excessive amounts of blonde ladies in this. Yes. Movie. Right. And we know he loves his blondes, right? right? And exactly. he loves his Jimmy Stewart prototypes so, as well. So, yeah, this is, yeah, again, the, this this notion of a, a fixation on a right. on a like a physical form, not right. the person, but, but like just like the the yeah the type, yeah, right. I mean, it's um, that in itself is its own just uh, additional bizarre element that makes this movie kind of nothing stand against out. blonde ladies. Not of, of course not. Of <laughs> course not. Yes, ladies. just the fact that they're. <laughs> <laughs> They're exploited, exploited. As there, there we go. That's, that's, movies. that's what it is. Is she? Do they ever mention if she's like an actor or something like that? Like, how is she able to adopt the the airs of Madeline? Um, and when she just fell off the turnip truck from Kansas with a Brooklyn accent, like I'm just wondering, like, what do they give her? Give a reason why she's so? Because she used to at, fuck that guy so much. I mean, so she was exposed. <laughs> to, <laughs> just rubbed off. <laughs> she was exposed. Um, I mean that that's good enough for me as far as an explanation. <laughs> Catherine, Carol, do you have any other ideas? Because I'm that's good. Enough. That's I'm fine with that. Yeah, no, I I, I don't think they explain that. <laughs> okay, okay. It's a mystery. Um, the only other note here that I have. Uh, for the further weirdness is he doesn't start behaving like the old Scotty we knew in the beginning of the film until she finally bends to his every desire for the hair and the mm -hmm. outfit. And we're going to have dinner here. Then he starts behaving normally just, and it's just for like half a scene because in that same scene, he sees the necklace and he starts piecing it together and then he starts unraveling all over again. So that's kind of strange. And also the fact that like when he drives her down to the mission and she, we see her figure out like what he's doing. And now she is confused as to his behavior. So my, how the turntables have dot, dot, dot. The fact that he describes this is I have to go into the past again to, and then I will be free. So like he is seeking freedom from his illness mm. and he feels like to do this, he has to, dive into the past to right the wrong. So like this is the whole finale that you will see. I hope if you right. go watch the end 
is that he does freak out on her about the long con. He reveals that he knows he's figured it out and he drags her ass up those stairs. Oh, does um, he? Yes. And as he, in the, a furious performance, it's crazy. Again, James Stewart, a plus work, you know, he's so distracted by his own rage over it that he doesn't even realize that he's made it all the way up to the top. And suddenly he's clear. He's not, he looks down and he realizes that he, he did it. He's, he's cured himself, right. which is set up earlier in the film. Midge says something about like the doctors say that only another traumatic event will undo this from you that we see that happen basically. And it's just a really intense scene. Well, there it is. Uh, Vertigo. Vertigo. Now, historically speaking, I believe this was not a successful film when it was oh. released. And this leads to Hitchcock actually downsizing both in scale of concept and uh, subtlety and also downsizing uh, from color to black and white because the next movie that he makes is 1960s Psycho. Oh, So Mm -hmm. that's a very uh, different type of movie, Uh, much lower budget, not really stars, Mm -hmm. a much more pulpy storytelling have you recently seen psycho i have heard of psycho and i think there's movies made later that reference yes of course you know you know whatever copy the story okay god i feel like we should just text psycho because like (laughs) if you don't know the exciting conclusion to psycho which i don't think you do i think i do oh do you what what do you think it was his mother uh interesting (laughs) yeah okay i mean that's that's an idea well maybe Oh, okay. Maybe so you, I actually have to watch it. Maybe we need to. Maybe we need to watch Psycho. I've never watched Psycho. You've never watched Psycho? Oh my god! No, I, I have watched it. It was a really long time ago. Oh my god, Catherine, do you remember the, the exciting twist? Yeah, I think I do. Oh, you think so? I think so. I do. Oh. Is this just next week? Are we just going to watch Psycho? That's yeah, fine. Let's do it. Okay, so if we did Psycho next week. Yeah, this is a bonus. I mean, show meeting everybody on the air. Who gives a shit? <laughs> That's fine. People let a little glimpse behind the curtain, right? Let's just do Psycho for Halloween next week, and then I guess the other one, the other Halloween movie. What were you thinking? I want to watch Monster Go Home. I think that does not have to be for Halloween. I just love that movie. Okay, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do like <laughs> last year where we watched Ghostbusters after Halloween. We'll do Monster Go Home <laughs> after Psycho next week. Okay. I think you should see Psycho just because if you don't know the surprise, okay, then you need. I want to talk to you about it. Okay. So, <laughs> I think All since right. Shrishma and I have not really, so this could be really surprising. Exactly. Yeah, okay. 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 Great. This is great. I love it. We're going with it. Okay. okay. Season also, two, everybody. It's a free for all. Monster Go Home is not really a Halloween movie. It's a family film about finding your roots. About- <laughs> <laughs> and oh, monsters. Catherine, you are that not going to. I have one. not seen. You are not going to enjoy it, Catherine. No, I you're will tell it. you that it does have Terry Thomas in it, and that will either turn you off further or excite you. <laughs> I don't know. You did not care for his performance in Mad Mad World. Mm-hmm. I can't see your opinion changing for this one. Um, and yeah. I will not be surprised Catherine, if I, I call do, in sick on that day. So I do want your thoughts on English homes and what kind of torture oh, chambers it, they might have in it their is a very British standard, probably. No. <laughs> it, it, it's, the, it's the most Hollywood 
version of England that you could imagine. And I actually think that is why you should be a part of it. I think because they filmed it in the back hills of California. Actually, sure. they were definitely <laughs> going to be shooting MASH there later on in the day um, <laughs> in, in Shroucher, England. Anyway, that's in the future, you guys. Let's wrap up Vertigo here. Final thoughts. Hey, Shrishma Nike. Um, it's not a fair question yet, but I'm going to ask you any for the sake of the format, but 1958's Alfred Hitchcock's Kim Novak's James Stewart's Vertigo. Do we keep watching this thing so far? So what I will say is I am going to go back and finish the movie. Okay. Um, and I will give my um, final conclusion. Okay. Next week. I look forward to it. Okay. With bated breath. But at least you have the commitment that I'm going to go. So I haven't thrown it out yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to like, there's like a half hour left right. of what you see. Right? So you can handle it. So, okay, okay. great. We'll, we'll mark that down. Carolyn Nowrose, uh, my sister and yours across the ocean, mm-hmm. 1958's Vertigo, arguably the greatest film ever made. Do we keep watching it though? Yeah. Okay. For sure. You're into it. You enjoy yeah. the experience. I mean, I'm always happy to watch Vertigo many times. Real quick, why have you seen this one so many times? Whereas, say, not Psycho. Yeah, mm-hmm. some of the other ones, not so much. So interestingly. I think Psycho is, it just seems like a different era. And I just, I'm never like, oh yeah, let me watch Psycho. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think well, I like the, I think I like the classy pretty ladies. I'm I'm so excited that Psycho is now on the menu. I had no idea that was going to happen. It was not planned, but we're here for it. And then we get a nice goofy palate cleanser of werewolf babies. That's fine. <laughs> Catherine Sherlock. Hmm. 1958's Vertigo. What do you think? Do we keep watching this thing? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. This hits all the right notes for you. Yeah. uh, I wish I'd had enough time to finish watching it. I have seen it before. I did Mm -hmm. not remember the very ending, um, but that's because I'm a goldfish. So I probably won't be watching it again, doing a catch up like Trishma. But mm-hmm. yeah, I it is definitely I'd forgotten all of the little visual tricks and effects and things. I I was impressed by how it was done, mm-hmm. given the time. It w- it was effective. It was Absolutely. highly effective. And, you know, don't feel bad about being a uh, goldfish brain on these things, because I'll tell you, like I say, I've seen this movie many times. I totally forgot that there's a scene where they go to a bookstore and this smoking book proprietor uh, s- surrounded by old, old papers and just, just, just lights up in those the cigs. The, oh, the happy Carlotta. The yeah. sad Carlotta. Yes. The mad Carlotta. I forgot that scene existed at all. It's <laughs> like, what is this like a bonus feature? Like, what is this? But then there it is. It's another splendid set of an old bookshop, I have to say. Yeah. So, okay. Well, thanks, Catherine. Uh, I, again, for me, absolutely. This is a keeper. This is, I agree. This is one of the, the great films. I don't know if it's the best. I don't know if you can, mm. anybody can make that call. For me, this is probably his best that i'm aware of because i think it is so unusual in its the long con aspect his ptsd the way it's performed the setup the the inherent weirdness is it a ghost story is it a 
like what is this that's true it's it's so strange and unique and beautifully shot too. i feel like that's the thing there are so many possibilities of where it could have gone mm-hmm. for it to have gone where it did right well anyway i'll watch it i guess you'll find out but and it does like i say like um because i think it is so all over the place that's why it's a good for a rewatch maybe you know after a year or something Mm. like that like i I always enjoy watching it and it is beautiful uh this is they fully remastered restored this back in the late 90s so if you're going to watch this at home if you've never seen it like it's it looks incredible looks as good as any movie from that time will look. So it's a yes for me. Let's talk Boom Room. Shrishma, do you have anything in particular that you would like to to put in our fabulous museum of mid-century life? Real quick, I will explain that for the listener who might be new and not familiar with this concept. It is on our Patreon page where you can get our first 50 episodes for the low, low price of $2. They are double the length of what you find here on the free feed. So go check it out. You will get all of the... Uh, various relics and artifacts that we have taken from those movies and brought back to modern times to put into our beautiful museum, the boom room. What do you want to take for Vertigo? He had a very nice walking stick. Yes, he did. Like I'm like, it was a really solid walking. Sturdy, stick. right? Yes. Like, yeah, like, it looked like thick, but like stained and right. glossy, like varnished. Uh, yes. nice. Okay. Wow. All right. And very representative of his, his Vertigo issues, right. you know, so perfect. You got it. Carolyn now Rose, what do you want to put in the boom room? I want to take our lot necklace. Oh, okay. Lovely. The the tr- very triggering necklace. Yeah. Costume jewelry necklace. Sure. Okay, great. We can we can do that. Put that on um, you know, some kind of uh, bust. Catherine, do you have anything in particular that you would like to share for all time? Yes, I have something <laughs> okay. unusual. Uh, did anybody else get obsessed by Kim Novak's eyebrows? Yes. Oh, always. I'm such an like eyebrow really, guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> they, they used like, like a were, glue stick. Yeah, they were mostly <laughs> painted on, I think. But I feel like if they were blown up and made into like beanie bags, they would like make just the best things to sit around on. Oh, wow. Totally. So you're thinking like... Like, like a full on merchandise like, line based on her eyebrows. Yes, like, yes. what do they call those pillows? Those like boyfriend pillows or whatever, but they're <laughs> they're just big inflated eyebrows, stuffed eyebrows. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. You got them. <laughs> Why not? Nice. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go for. Look, there are so many green things in this movie. Like, any pick pick any of the green cars in the background or whatever. But I will say, red wallpaper from Ernie's restaurant. So striking, so rich and velvety. Like, I'm not a red guy. But like that's a deep velvety red that they have going on there. Uh, yeah, that that, that was intense. It, it really heightened that scene, actually. And and her green dress, especially like when he sees her the first time. Yeah, she made pops, her like, like an emerald in a jewel box. Yes, in in a very crowd otherwise crowded dining room, like your eye is drawn to that Jewelry, green dress yeah, immediately. Sure. It's uh, quite brilliant. So yeah, I don't know. We should do. I think. Maybe like the coat check room or something like that, or maybe the cafeteria, like a room in the dining room at the at the museum. Again, fabulous brunches out on the patio on, on weekends. Uh, bring your mother uh, get for for high tea over at the Boom Room. Um, still under construction, by the way. So you know, uh, not all wings are open. But yes, I want that red wallpaper. And with that, you guys, that's going to wrap up Vertigo. Vertigo. And bonus surprise for time next week. We're going to be watching 1960s. Psycho, 
black and white breaking our one of our primary rules but it's season two we're doing what the fuck we want to do all right so everybody get caught up on that i'm not even gonna read the synopsis i just want you to be surprised and enjoy it it's a classic you're gonna get so many references once you watch this movie so happy for you i know there's that the knife's something about a knife right it's not his mother I don't know, Trish, but you're going to have to watch it and and let us know next week. So until next time, guys, thank you so much. And we will see you next Wednesday for the grand finale of Hitchcocktober. (laughs) 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 Bye. 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 Look down. Yeah. (laughs)